0: This podcast brought to you by the Ashbrook Center. The Ashbrook Center is an independent center at Ashland University that teaches students, teachers, and citizens what it means to be an American. Ashbrook's new book, 50 Core American Documents, tells America's story from the founding through the 20th century using original historical documents. Get your copy of Ashbrook's 50 Core American Documents today in the iTunes Store or at 50docs.org. That's 50docs.org. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Tom Jocelyn with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. Tom, it's always great when we can steal you away from your formal duties to join us here for the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Michael.
0: So the CIA report is out. Much has been made of the uh, partisanship and the nonpartisanship and allegations back and forth about good actors, bad actors, sincere motives, etc. As you look at what the report uh, reveals and how it was put together, what jumps out at you?
1: Well, the first thing that jumps out to me is how it's being reported in the press. It's being reported as the Senate Intelligence Committee's report, as opposed to the Democrats on the Senate Intelligence Committee's report. You know, I don't think any report by Republicans would ever be received as sort of the authoritative historical word on something from a committee in either the Senate or the House, and yet that's really how this is being treated throughout much of the media. But I I think that reflects a sort of a deeper bias in sort of reading this report and the methodology that, that sort of underlies it, because... It's very obvious that the authors of this report went in trying to knock down any claimed success that the CIA had out of its enhanced interrogation program. And the way they did that is is very in a very disingenuous manner. They basically said, well, the CIA says that the following things were all successes from the enhanced interrogation program. What we're going to do is go back and look through the U.S. government's holdings and try and find any scraps of intelligence that we can find to try and knock down those successes. So, for example, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, mastermind of 9-11, identifies some key terrorists in this program, and those terrorists are shut down. What they'll do is they'll go back to the U.S. government's holdings and say, well, you should have known who he was anyway, because there was some cable or some email from a foreign government a year earlier mentioning that person. Um, But that's really ridiculous, because if you look at the way the U.S. government collects data on terrorists, basically there are thousands upon thousands of names they come across the key is to figure out which ones are important and which ones are you need to urgently shut down. And that sort of dynamic, you know, weighing the intelligence and figuring out what's really the most important is what the interrogations of the detainees were all about. And really that whole dynamic is missing from the report. I, I would say furthermore, here's something I think everybody's missed. Um, the report, if you use their sort of their specious methodology for evaluating intelligence, it basically calls into question some of the FBI's greatest successes post-9-11 including the successes of guys who were critical of the CIA's Enhanced Derogation Program. So, for example, the FBI got Khalid Sheikh Mohammed to uh, give, or uh, I'm sorry, got Abu Zubaydah to give up the alias and certain key details on Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and his role as the 9-11 Mastermind. This report is saying that doesn't matter, that basically they should have known that anyway and it doesn't matter that the FBI got Abu Zubaydah to talk in that in that regard. And I think that's ridiculous because there's a lot of information that U.S. government, FBI, CIA, and others didn't really appreciate Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's role in 9/11 and, and as in, within Al Qaeda. And it clearly came out of those interrogations or debriefings of Abu Zubaydah that was found out. Yet according to this report, not only are all the CIA successes uh, mute because they basically, uh, you know, can find some scraps of intelligence to uh, undermine them, but even the FBI successes are therefore invalid in this in reports of the author's uh, minds.
0: Uh, Tom Joss with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. How significant is it that under the leadership of Diane Feinstein and the Democrats, as you pointed out, put this together, that they on they deliberately declined to talk to any of the CIA personnel actually involved in the EIT program?
1: Well, you know, I think it's very significant because it basically says they didn't want to hear the other side of the story. They didn't want to, they didn't want to have the argument as they were compiling the report. They wanted to come up with their case and make their case against what happened without having to sort of get uh, pushback along the way. And they provided uh, the report to the CIA, of course, and the Republicans, and they both filed their own sort of critiques of the report. It's interesting that those critiques are not receiving anywhere near the attention that the executive summary from the Democrats are receiving. But, you know, it's very it's very obvious, you know, and this is not not to put, you know, uh, to give the CIA total credence right away or to trust them at face value because I don't do that. but It's very obvious, looking at the CIA's rebuttal, for example, that certain key facts um, that they reveal in their rebuttal uh, show that the authors of the report really uh, took evidence out of context. They really misquoted things. They really cherry-picked the data to sort of get to their prescribed, what they wanted to say all along. And that's a sort of fundamental flaw I think that the press isn't dealing with either. Uh,
0: the, I, I guess I, I'm looking for some semblance of a good faith effort on behalf of the Democrats. I mean, it seems to me that there were definitely some excesses, uh, by you know, that are recounted here: uh, guys with broken legs and broken feet, you know, being forced to stand for hours and. Uh, the, the fact that apparently even one of the CIA handlers has been prosecuted for their role there. If, if someone came to you and said, come on, Tom, we, we, nobody's perfect. Where did the CIA ro- go wrong and, and what is the behavior that people who want security and uh, you know, human decency balanced should be looking at as a problem?
1: You know, that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. I just, I'm not uh, exonerating the CIA entirely here at all. And I'm not saying that the report has no merit or it doesn't make some good points. It clearly does. I mean, some of the behavior that's described is not stuff that I endorse or whatever, uh, you know, think is part of a real professional interrogation program. It's clear, it's clear to me, I think, reading through the files that the CIA did misrepresent mis- this to Congress at various times, what exactly they were doing, particularly the brutality of some of the techniques to reuse the interrogations. I think that's all true, and I think that there are um, you know a lot of areas where people can wince reading through the port report of the specific things that were done. Uh, you know, we don't need to whitewash any of that, and I think it's good that people can find uh, find out about those things and understand those things. The problem I have is that you don't you lose all sense of balance or all sense of um, objectivity when you produce a report like this that basically throws all the valid criticisms and mixes them together with really just sort of. Um, uh, really uh, weak arguments and just dishonest arguments, I would say. And that's really what this report does. Is it basically takes, it could have been a much stronger report, I think, if they had stuck to the sort of the facts that are really firmly established and figure out the things that are, that were really wrong with the program, as opposed to just basically going in with an agenda and saying, we're going to say this program had no value and we're going to try and knock down everything that came out of it. I think that yeah, you know, that really is a sort of a dishonest way of looking at it, and so that's where it suffers.
0: I wonder if the uh, people in the press who are pushing this report so hard and really trying to make the claim that America, has a, as uh, John McCain and uh, Diane Feinstein have framed it, a stain on our honor, if they get how most Americans feel. The surveys I've seen show upwards of seventy percent of Americans not only do they have a problem with waterboarding, but they have no problem with straight up torture. You know, finger, you know, Jack Bauer fingernail pulling. And when the president of the United States says, yes, if I knew we had an illegal terrorist ISIS guy in custody and he had information about an upcoming 9-11 style attack, I would not let him be waterboarded I think most Americans go, are you nuts? <laughs> are you crazy? And I wonder, if, do they think they're doing themselves a political favor by doing this? Or is this just, as some people have speculated, Diane Feinstein's uh, personal vendetta against the CIA because of conflicts they've had? Or is it, I really want to go back and attack Bush one more time before I lose control of the Senate? What, what, what's the motive behind this?
1: Well, I mean, it's tough to say. I always don't like speculating on motives, but I, I think you know, there's definitely a sense from the, the people who criticize this pro- program that they're claiming the moral high ground now in all this. And you know, to some extent, I think there are sort of moral condemnations of what happened that are absolutely necessary. And I don't know, I got to take away from that. But I think what's really lost in all this, and I, I've talked to, like, well, I've talked to a lot of interrogators from people who were in the military interrogators from Guantanamo to Iraq to Afghanistan to people this the CIA's program, you know, really across the board. And I think what, what the fundamental lesson I learned is that none of this is a science, that interrogations are really very much an art, a very a very you know, abysmal art, I would say. Um, and it's, it's very, very dim stuff. And to figure out how to do this and how to do it right and how to get somebody to talk and give up secrets that they don't want to give up, there's no, you know, one way to do that. And each situation with each different detainee can be potentially different. Um, you know, in terms of who they are. I mean, you read this report, and what you see here, with particularly with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, is this guy is a socio with a sociopathic genius. I mean, this guy is a monster. I mean, he could resist just about anything they threw at him, uh, and in, in a really incredible way. Uh, this guy is really something uh, of, of of probably the darkness of the dark side of humanity. We knew that from nine eleven, of course, but when you read about his psyche and how he withstood what they were doing to him, it's really amazing stuff. Um, and so my point in all that is that, you know, you have to take all this with sort of a, a grain of salt and that, you know, people will like to come in and say, we can do this or we can do that, and this would work 100% of the time. Like, there are people who think that you can waterboard and that work 100% of the time. No, it wouldn't. And there are people who think you can just go in and sort of sweet talk over a cup of a tea 100% of the time and get what you need. No, you can't. You know, each, each situation is different, and each detainee requires sort of a different program for figuring out how you're going to get that person to talk. And I think it's good to have a debate about where the limits are on all this because, you know, I'm not comfortable with with everything the CIA did, of course. But right now, we have no interrogation program. So we don't even have to worry about anybody having anything done to them because we're not figuring out anything at this point. And that's really, I think... Part of the story,
0: too. I would not want to be the Democrats who put this together, should there, God forbid, be a successful terrorist attack and links back to people we have had in custody. I think that would be very bad for them politically enough, of course, setting aside the horrible, uh, the horror that it would be for the United States. I want to ask you one thing beyond our borders because this fight is, we, we know how this fight's going to break down for the most part. How are we viewed by other countries for doing this? Is there a, a, you know, look at America, it's an honorable nation that's trying to deal with its uh, bad behavior, or is there a shaking of heads of people going, what are you, nuts? Or is there a, hey, stop this, we're one of the countries that cooperated with you. What are you, you're going to topple our government through your self-indulgent arrogance.
1: Well, you know, there's always a range of views. I think, you know, a good chunk of the world is always... Wants to rub America's nose in what they find to be sort of our shortcomings or our duplicity or where we fall short of our own rhetoric, and they're of course going to use this in that that fashion. But you know, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of nations around there around the world that actually treat the detainees and interrogate people in an even more brutal fashion than what happened in the CIA's program. Uh, and of course, that's sort of one of the great ironies here is that the report cites intelligence or cites. The fact that some of these detainees were held in foreign countries before they were shipped, uh, um, basically shipped to the CIA or transferred to the CIA custody, but doesn't say anything about how they were treated in those foreign countries and the custody of those foreign countries. I mean, you know, anybody who knows about the interrogations under the Mubarak regime in Egypt or in Jordan or various other countries knows that they don't treat their detainees with kid gloves. You know, they do things in a lot of cases that are worse than anything described in this report. Um, and so that's sort of you know missing in all this, too. This was an attempt by the U.S. government and CIA to draw a line. I think they crossed that line on a number of occasions, and that's part of the story here. But it was trying to draw a line short of what even other nations or other bad regimes or, other, or what bad regimes do around the world. And that part of the story is not really appreciated, of course, in, in any of this either.
0: Tom Johnson with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies and the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.